0: Ciao, ragazzi, and welcome to another edition of A Sit Down, World Football Indexes podcast of Kelcho. Told like it is, I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen.
1: Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing tonight on uh, not only YouTube, but Facebook and Twitter tonight? We're going everywhere oh tonight. Gosh, we're everywhere now. We're everywhere. I'm glad
0: I. I'm glad I combed my hair, and I'm glad I, I'm glad and I shaved. And
1: you cleaned your screen there too. It I did. Clearer. I cleaned
0: my screen. Am I am I coming in a little clearer? <laughs> you, my are, wife you are. Made that comment. She looked at. Uh, so she watched. A, she watched one of our video clips from earlier in the week, and and she said, "Will you clean your screen?" <laughs> so, She's right. She's right. right. So George's uh, in the house.
1: Casey's in the house. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome.
0: Welcome. Welcome. So. Um, we have got a very loaded show for you. We are going to uh, recap what happened over the weekend. Um, we are going to preview some midweek, seria, a, the big one between Milan and Juve. Uh, Also, the uh, slate of games that are taking place at 9 a.m. Eastern, there is a contest on DraftKings, so I'll touch on some interesting plays uh, that you can pick to try to win a little bit of money tomorrow morning if you're going to get up and watch your Calcio. Um, And, of course, uh, the world's most popular hashtag game, who won Calcio Twitter? We'll find out this week's winners. Um, a lot to live up to after last week when we did our best of 2020 and relived some pretty funny ones. So, yeah. uh, but uh, we're, we all, we have a guest. We do, we do have a guest. I think everybody gets sick of listening to us talk all the time. We wanted to bring somebody else on. So. Let's bring him right on in. Yep. I want to welcome to the city. I sit down for the first time and it's a damn shame that we haven't had him on before. We actually tried to, and then he uh, had a prior engagement or, or, or Lord knows what else, but, um, he, uh, is, has Miami new times best AM radio show 2018. He is on onside radio, uh, the man of the Match show, which, uh, you can hear me on from time to time. Um, he is the, uh, uh, inter-Miami CF studio host, also co-host of the Calcio Connection podcast, or maybe he's the host and Jerry just tags along, um, <laughs> but he is earning his first cap with the Serie A sit-down, and we welcome Alex Dono.
2: Ciao, guys. It's a pleasure to be on, and hey, I'm I'm glad to be here. I never get tired of hearing you two talk, so even the episodes you don't have a guest are always entertaining, and I hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, uh,
0: doing- We appreciate that, man. We're surviving. We're definitely surviving. But, uh, you know, let's let's talk a little bit because we can probably segue into the Inter-Crotone game by doing this. Let's just get into a little Q&A with the Inter for you this season. It's really been a roller coaster. Um, I probably you know, or or you might have a different description than I just gave you, Um, you know second in the table you play before Milan you win you go top of the table then Milan wins they go back to the top so you got that fight going on the Champions League uh again I think for the third straight season you're one goal away from qualifying for the next round And this and in this case you're out all um you know just talk about what you've seen so far from this season's version of, of inter what gives you hope uh but maybe also comment a little on what's making you grouchy about them
2: well, I'm definitely grouchy about the Champions League failure. Uh, that was that was an objective this year—not to win Champions League, of course, that was not realistic—but to actually make it to the knockout stages, which is something they'd failed to do the last two seasons. That was, I think, a reasonable expectation this year. And as you mentioned, they were literally one goal away from doing that. So I am sour about it. And you know, Champions League is a big stage. Uh, it's nice for teams to be able to represent City on that stage. The other three representatives all made it through to the knockout stages and, and Inter didn't, so that was that was a troubling thing. As far as what gives me hope, you know, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword not being in Europe at this point. Uh, you know, you mentioned not only crashing out of Champions League, but not even getting into Europa League with the fourth place finish in the group. Uh, that definitely gives Inter an opportunity to focus on one competition, right? Because knockout stages of Champions League was certainly a goal. I think the primary goal for Conte this season, was to push and, and try and win a Scudetto. And I would say that needing less squad rotation moving forward, not having you know Thursday games to think about in Europa League, uh, I think is going to be a benefit to Inter. And I, I think that's going to take a little bit of pressure off the January transfer window. I know that you know, a lot of people are fantasizing about certain players arriving in January. Uh, they're probably not going to do much due to financial constraints. They may not need to do a whole lot because they're not going to have to be you know, playing uh, extra games during, you know, European weeks. And, you know, as far as on the pitch, um, I, I can take hope in the fact that uh, lately Inter have been scoring goals for fun. Uh, the attack has been has been working out pretty well. I, I think it's good news that even though Romelu Lukaku left the Crotone match with an apparent muscular injury around the 75th minute, apparently it's not as serious as they thought it could be. So, he still might sit against Sampdoria for precautionary reasons, but I, I don't think he's going to miss his time as much time as some people feared that he would. Uh, Latara Marti- Martinez just had a, an excellent performance, which was nice to see. You know, Inter have been have been getting goals at other spots as well, so that that's certainly what gives me hope. And Romelo Lukaku, you know, when he's been in, has played like an absolute monster. What gives me a little cause for concern is the defense not keeping clean sheets I I think part of that has been on Samir Handanovic you know losing a step in his late 30s which is kind of a natural thing that's going to happen to an aging goalkeeper you know he's made some a few mistakes this season um you know some of the conceded goals have just been mental lapses although when you know when you when you have uh Scriniard, Devry, and Bastoni as the back three. They tend to do a much better job than various other alternatives in that yeah. spot. And, and then you also have concern with sloppiness from a guy like Arturo Vidal, um, who, you know, is is going to be, uh, even though he had a, a pretty brutal game against Crotone and was benched at halftime. Uh, I think he still is going to be looked at uh, to Conte to play an important role the rest of the year. So he's going to have plenty of opportunities to either redeem himself or or make more mistakes. But the penalty that he gave up was pretty horrific against Crotone. So um, conceding goals has certainly been an issue. Scoring goals has not. Uh, but you know, Inter have certainly gotten the results lately. They're on a long winning streak in Serie A. If if only Milan would actually drop some points, they they might have <laughs> a at top of the table for more than a few hours. But yeah, I, I think uh, I think roller coaster the the phrase that you use is probably a good way to describe it so far.
1: Well let's stick with that term roller coaster. Um, for me to me the the season for Inter so far has not been as much of a roller coaster as much as the fans have been the roller coaster I think uh, seeing not only you but all, all, many see, you know talking about Conte, the, the goods, the bad, the ugly um, it seems like at least from the outside looking in, that the the roller coaster ride is more with the fans dealing with Conte and his antics week in and week out versus the game. Because, I mean, look, you guys are in second place at the moment, one point behind Milan, six points ahead of Roma, I mean, ahead of Juve. You're in a good spot. For as inconsistent as you guys have been, you are sitting very pretty. And, you know, once you guys do get to that level where you're constantly – I mean, you're, what, nine wins in a row now. You guys are there. So now you guys are trying to – you know, you're putting pressure on Milan to keep it up. So – is it really more the fans that have just been reacting to Conte and his antics all season long?
2: Yeah, that, that's a good shout. I think that's a big part of it um, because every day I wake up and one of the first things that I do is I check the inter news wire. I, I check what the Italian media is talking about. I I'm in a couple of different intergroup ch- chat. I check what they're saying and There's always drama, right? People are always reacting to, you know, and and this is certainly coming. uh, I think the Christian Eriksen saga is potentially going to come to a close this month if they can find either a buyer or a loan option. Uh, But there's been a lot of drama on the Eriksen front in recent months with Conte subbing him on in the 92nd minute and everyone freaking out. And then, you know, typical Patsy Inter stuff. uh, Even even after they're winning seven, eight, nine games in a row, you you know, you read the Italian news sites and they're debating whether, you know, Suning is trying to sell Inter and and are they financially insolvent and there are restrictions from the Chinese government. So you you can never just have a good week. Like you can never just have a calm week with Inter, right? I mean, you come off a six to two win, instead of being able to sit back and enjoy it, you're, you're reading these headlines about, you know, about what, you know, decrepit old players Antonio Conte is looking to sign and, and who's unhappy at the club and how the club, you know, doesn't have enough money to spend anything in January. There, there are always things like that. And I think that the Inter fan base have a little bit of PTSD because for the, for the past 10 years, more has gone wrong than right. So you, you, at a certain point, you feel like I'm just not allowed to have nice things and you, you, start, to, <laughs> you start to look at the glass half empty. So, yeah, yeah it's always uh, some, sometimes I think I'd have a lot more sanity if I just uh, spent a couple of weeks just uh, either muting the phrase, you know, the word enter on Twitter and just not reading anything and just watching the games and not worrying about all the other stuff. I
0: just, I, I, I kind of tend to. I think I said it just a few weeks ago. I said, I, I just, as a fan of the uh, NFL's Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm getting an idea of what it's like to be an inter fan. <laughs> they should be winning, they, mm-hmm. a, a game. They should be winning, and they're figuring out how to lose. It was against Richards' uh, Washington Footies. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, it, it is what it is. Now, um, the, the Mercato, I. We talked about this last week. We try to go through like every team and what we think is the highest priority. You, you talked about the defense being a a weakness of this team at the moment. Um, I think that goalkeeper is something they're going to address. Maybe not now, but I, I could see them doing it in the summer. So there was some talk. I thought I'd, about Juan Musso from coming over from Mudanese. That's where they got Sami Handanovic. So, um, but uh, you know, there's talk that you know if it's Antonio Conte, it's going to be a name. Um, or it's going to be someone coming from the Premier League. Even I mean, does this get old with you guys? I mean, right now the the, the talk is Papu Gomez. The, you know, from my perspective, and I've even said this on your radio show, where's the fit if you're going to bring him in? Um, but our our conclusion is is that a proper left wing back needs to be needs to be addressed. Right now, patching it with guys like Ashley Young and Ivan Petisic is getting you by, but. Somebody that can properly do it and do it at the work rate that Antonio Conte demands. Where are you at with what Inter's needs are in January and and, and what do you think is realistic to expect?
2: Yeah, you're right about left wing back, at least from my point of view. The odd thing about it is that when you read Mercato rumors, for some reason, that is the position that gets brought up least with Inter. And I'm very puzzled as to why. Mm-hmm. Now I know that left wing back in general is I, I think in in the entire world of football one of the hardest positions to fill. Yes. There just aren't that many quality left wing backs. Yeah, and so as a result of that, you know, for the last really the past year, even going back to last January, and and this goes to what you're saying about Premier League players. You, you always see the same names, kind of loosely, very loosely linked to Inter, and it's it tends to be Chelsea players that Conte managed a couple of years ago, right? I mean Emerson Palmieri. Yeah always gets put in that conversation. Marcos Alonso always gets put in that conversation. But um I, I don't I certainly don't see either arriving in January. Um I, I I don't keep up with foreign transfer rumors as much as I should, but I, I know I saw a lot of stuff linking Alonso to uh to Atletico Madrid. So I don't know if that's considered a, a done deal or not. But it, I certainly don't see his name linked to Inter a lot. And then as far as Emerson Palmieri um who may end up in SETI I just don't think he'll end up with Inter because, uh, you know, Inter would want to do a loan for him. Yeah. And it just, it just sounds like Chelsea is hard. They have a hard stance on not loaning him out. So I I don't think that's something that they're interested in doing. And so I, for whatever reason, I'm not expecting a significant name to be brought in at left wing back. The, the position is a little bit problematic. Um, Ivan Perisic is... A decent player at times but he's not a left wing back I mean he's he's a left winger there's not really a spot for him in a Conte formation and Ashley Young uh, unfortunately at at 35 years old he's just um, he's not consistent enough every once in a blue moon can put in a brilliant performance Uh, he, he had a few of those last season has not really had one so far this year um, what I'm interested to see if Conte tries, and I, I even saw this in a couple of the rumored starting 11s for Sampdoria. Um, I'm not necessarily expecting it, but I, I did see, you know, a possibility of Matteo Darmion starting at left wing back tomorrow. Uh, he <laughs> is versatile enough; he can play both sides. Uh, the only. The the only times he's played uh, this year had been at right wing back in place of Hakimi. At this point, Hakimi's playing very well, so he's not he's not someone you're going to go out of your way to put on the bench right now. So maybe Darmian can be tried at left wing back because uh, yeah, Ashley Young had a, a pretty or her has had a couple of pretty horrific performances as of late, and Paris is just, just not really a fit there. So I, I wonder if Darmian's going to get a few looks. And then outside of left wing back, I think the two biggest needs. Um, you know, I I kind of laugh. At everyone who, and it, it was mostly people who don't follow Inter that closely, who really thought heading into this season that the midfield was perfect, pristine, right? Because oh, you you've got Christian Eriksen, you know, you oh you just got Vidal, you've got Sensi, you've got Brozovic, Barella, and obviously Barella has been fantastic, and yeah. and Brozovic seems to be back yeah. in form, so he's been he's been much better as of late. Um, but you can't trust Sensi to really stay fit. Uh, you know, he has his injury issues. You know, Christian Erikson is essentially, uh, he's completely out of the squad now at this point, and Arturo Vidal is a hot mess. And so, yeah, I, th- mm-hmm. I think you need someone uh, in the midfield. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you that Papu Gomez doesn't exactly fit the profile. I think they need, you know, someone who is a little bit more defensively adept or maybe more of a Metzala type. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think attacking midfielder is something that really fits Conte's formation, but I think they do need help in the midfield, and uh, and they need uh, they need a fourth striker. Um, I think they want to bring in a veteran because Pina Monti has uh, has not earned Conte's trust, and also for Pina Monti's sake, he's still young. So if if Conte doesn't want to use him, he should be loaned out because yeah. if he's not getting any yeah. time with Inter and he's in his early twenties, the only way this kid is going to improve is if he plays. So if you can find you know, a, a lower table club to loan him out to, he he was with Genoa the last couple of years before Inter brought him back. They bought him back. So I, I think loan him out, try to get him some game time experience somewhere else. And, and then you have to wonder, okay, what do they do at that fourth striker spot? And the horrific report that uh, Di Marzio dropped yesterday gave every Inter fan vomiting attacks, flashbacks, when you see Edder linked to a return to Enter, oh,
1: that. I love it. <laughs> well, I think I think I, love it. <laughs> I think Sky Punjab actually released this uh, earlier about a year ago. I really haven't had
0: anybody in said he to be angry
2: about since he left. Um, you know, so there you, you go. If he's back into, he's into been, our
0: lives, I would be angry on your behalf.
2: Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and, and, and the weird thing about it is, um, first of all, it, it it I I don't think it's going to happen only because it seems like not plan B or C, it's like plan Z would be to yeah. bring Edder back. Like, I, I don't think that's the club's priority. I just think it may end up being kind of a remarriage of convenience. Um, mm-hmm. As horrific it was to be as it would be, I, I try and talk um, some Intidisti off a ledge because hypothetically, if they were to bring back Edder as the fourth striker, you have to ask yourselves, how much would he really play? Right. Because with, with no Champions League or Europa League, minimal squad rotation, yeah. um, you know, they, they've had Pina Monti has been the fourth striker for the last, uh, you know, four months or whatever it's been since the season started. And, and he's barely gotten in any games. So, like Conte yeah. does not go that deep in the striker rotation unless there's, you know, knock on wood, catastrophic injury issues. Right. So, right. E- right. E- even, even if Eder were to be brought back, as terrible as it, as it may sound, You know, he may only actually see the pitch a couple of times and it would probably be like a, you know, 88th minute type of substitution when the game is already decided. Like, I I really don't think the guy would see much action if he came back.
0: One of those guys that would just get handed a towel with his initials embroidered on it, basically. Yeah. That's that's, that's all. And, you know, here you go. Here's your towel. Go wave it. He's even got your initials on it.
1: So, yeah. Uh, Well, for those who are listening on Twitter and Facebook, you know, thank you for joining us tonight. And those on YouTube, thank you also. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the page. Alex, um, let's talk about the elephant in the room. You just brought it up. Uh Conte has this knack of bringing in older players, either players he worked with at Chelsea or just older players. You mentioned Eder. You know, we've heard Giacarini, We've heard Pele. I mean, who's next? Barazzali? I mean, he's going to bring back the whole Azuri team. When he's Pele Pele. Also. Yeah, so uh, what's up with what's up with this fascination he has? Is it just the, the trust issues, why he's going with the older players? I'm like, he's constantly recycling players and it leaves you, the fans, you know, Inter fans and even, you know, the other stops he was before scratching their head like, are we going backwards or forwards? What are we doing here? You know?
2: I, I think Conte, and he's not the only manager who does this, of course, but Conte puts such a premium on players he knows can can go to war and kind of play his style. Like Conte, we know he's not very tactically flexible, he's yeah. not very emotionally flexible. <laughs> you know, we we've seen, you know, what what he went through the saga with Diego Costa at Chelsea a few years ago. You see what's happened with Christian Erickson. Once you get into Conte's doghouse, very few people actually come out from that. Like when you're in yep. the Conte doghouse, you're yep. dead to him. And so I, I really think that um, he he puts an extra value and an extra premium on players he knows can conform with the Conte style. I mean, because we, we know what he wants on the pitch. He, he essentially wants like drones. Like he wants players he can control. He wants guys he knows are going to, you know he doesn't allow for a whole lot of tactical creativity. You've got to be at the right place at the right time when you're moving without the ball. You always have to be where Conte wants you to be. You know if you're a midfielder, he wants you tracking back. He doesn't want you kind of to be like a free-range chicken out there. He wants to know exactly where you are at all times. And I think once Conte, at the various stops he's been in, you know Juventus years ago, you know he worked with guys like like at the Italian national team for the for the Euros, and the players he worked okay. with at Chelsea. I think once Conte has identified, okay, these are the players I know can can run my style and and mesh with me, and I'm not going to have problems with them on or off the pitch. Uh, I think he values maybe revisiting yeah. some of those guys. Like if there are certain players that you know that he knows, hey, like he and I had a great relationship, even if it was four, five, six years ago, and that player is now in his 30s. I don't think Conte cares like an Arturo Vidal. I mean, unfortunately, Conte didn't get the memo. Yeah. That this is not, you know, this isn't 2014 Arturo Vidal. This is 2020, 2021 Arturo Vidal. But in Conte's mind, why can't we just rekindle the romance, right? So I, I think he values those players he knows can mesh with him.
0: Excellent. Um, I, I mean, it's it's clear. I mean, it's right now. I mean, there's no European distraction. There is the the, the Coppa Italia. Um, it's uh, Scudetto or bust at this point uh, right now. And I think that the team was built with those intentions. A lot of people predicted them to win the Scudetto, that they would be the team most likely to unseat Juventus this season. Richard is among them. Um, is that the sentiment at this point? I mean, it's gotta be clear. It's, 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 it's Scudetto or a failure now at this point.
2: Yeah, um, it is. I think that's the way, that's the way most inter supporters look at it. That's Probably the way the way Conte looks at it. That's probably the way most in the Inter board and in the front office look at it. Um, especially, especially being bounced from Champions League. Um, if you know, and it's weird because I, I can't even remember. It's been you know, damn near a decade since the last time Inter were in a season where you're thinking Scudetto is the objective. Scudetto or bust. Is yeah. the last several years. It's always been try to be top four. Try to be in a Champions League spot now they really do have expectations to win the league. And and it's a little bit frightening because expectations create pressure and Inter does not deal well with pressure, right? Usually, usually when the pressure is highest is when, is when you get those, those crazy sort of results. But yeah, I I think that that honestly has to be the goal. I mean, when Antonio Conte is being paid, what about twice as much or more than, (laughs) than any other current manager in Serie A, I think, uh, and they've, and they've gone out and made some of these weird signings, like, oh, and Conte wants Kolarov, we'll bring in Kolarov. He wants to bring in Vidal, we'll do whatever we can to bring in Vidal. I think yeah. that you know, with all those requests that they've fulfilled, that's got to be the expectation.
1: Sure, I think. Uh, well, before we get to the question in the chat, um, it's it's crazy what you know what, what we've seen with with Conte, and, and I mean, he obviously knows how to win. It just the way he does it is not the most. Not the best way. He's not thinking about the team in general. So, like, I saw some questions from Interisi, like, why is he trying to build for the future? And, and honestly, he's not gonna be here in the future. He knows that. So he's just gonna build in the now and try to win and you know win and get out. It's probably the way he's gonna do. it. If he has a, a really strong team that wins by many points, he'll probably stick around to try to repeat or something. But uh, I, I see him winning and leaving uh, Inter, and he's probably not really planning for the future. He doesn't really care for the down you know, five years down the road. He's really care about the next two years, maybe maybe three yeah. years um look at the question here from Casey in, in the chat he says uh who does Inter have in line if Handanovic is out we talked about you know maybe bringing in Musso as a backup but who's there now uh because that's where they're going to be hurting if they lose uh, Handanovic to injury or something
2: yeah um they're they're better in that department this season than a season ago they they brought back Andre Radu from Genoa who is yeah. He's not a top tier city A starter but he he's serviceable. I mean if if Handanovic yeah. were to have to miss some time, um, I I believe uh, Radu could do the job, right? And and I I wonder. I mean it's been a while since Radu's actually played, but with, with some of the uh, with some of the mishaps Handanovic has had, sometimes you wonder how much worse would it really be, right? But no, I mean uh, they're, they're better in that department, uh, you know, a season ago as as we all remember because he he had to start a handful, handful of games. Daniele Padelli was the backup. He's still with the club but he's the third stringer. Yeah. And it quite honestly it was it was embarrassing. I mean it was absolutely embarrassing watching Padelli in goal last year. He was making so many rudimentary mistakes like he, things you would expect a Serie a D keeper to be doing. Like it's, yeah. and you know he he used to be a decent keeper years and years ago. I just think that so many years of being a second and third stringer at Inter, he just lost his fastball because he hadn't played regular football in so so <laughs> long. But I mean, it, it, it was humiliating. I mean, watching him cost Inter points and cost Inter victories and in some of the games that Padelli started, so they did get a little bit better in that spot. Um, I, I don't believe that anyone considers Radu to be the heir to the Handanovich throne. I think that it's going to be perhaps uh, Musso, who you brought up from Udinese. Um, I. You know, I think that there's, there's also been always been rumors behind the scenes about Kranio, who, who I was going to ask you about
1: him. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that's another one that they'd be interested in. And, and, and th- th- those are the primary, those are the primary two names that you hear. I haven't, uh, I haven't heard too many others thrown around.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It, 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 to me, Musso makes the most sense. Um, I mean, it just as far as a career progression for him, too. Uh, somebody that has aspirations of being Argentina's number one someday. Yeah. Uh, and then also, you've got to think there's got to be some kind of relationship or connection with Javier Zanetti there, um, you know, in the backroom staff to maybe have some influence. Uh, I think that a guy like Zanetti would get Musso's attention. Uh, so, you know, for me, that makes the most sense. Um, you know, if Inter... Plan on going. I think that they finish this season with Handanovic, but I think that they that it's something that they address in the summer. Yeah. Now, what we do, Alex, as um, as custom here at Serie A sit down, is we put the spotlight on your team's game uh, from the weekend. So, uh, so we we spotlight Inter and Crotone. Uh, it also was nice that that They're the that first was, game it was the first game of <laughs> sunday it also was nice that it had the most goals yeah. uh, you know to yeah. talk about so um you know, let's uh let's just start by asking you here about their uh formation i mean it's it's antonio conte you know what you're getting it's a three man defense it's a yeah. it's the essentially a five man midfield including two wing backs and then two up top so it's handanovic um uh skriniar Divray, pastoni across the back uh, and then the midfield of ha- uh, well Hakimi as a right wing back, Ashley Young left wing back, and then the three man midfield this time was Nicola Baratta, uh, Marcelo Brozovic, and then Arturo Vidal gets a turn uh, over Roberto Galliardini, or as we're calling him Bobby Gags. Um, that and we can't we can't claim that. Um, no. I think that that's among your interfolk, but we're yeah. we're taking it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and then the two man attack of uh, Romelu Lukaku and Lataro Martinez pretty standard, um, you know. But let me ask you about um, Bastoni, because I think that he's made, you know, as as you know, as as much as Inter have had their issues defensively, Bastoni I think has been uh, someone that's that's been rock solid for them this season.
2: Yeah, what amazes me about Bastoni, um, and yeah, it goes without saying he's really solid defensively. But what really amazes me about him is how comfortable he is on the ball. I mean, it, sometimes you, you watch him when he's coming forward with the attack, and uh, and I kind of have to do a double take, like, oh, okay, that, that's Bastoni dribbling right now. That's Bastoni trying to trying to assist in the final third. Um, he's he's very comfortable coming forward, and uh, and and Conte seems comfortable enough to to let him you know creep forward attacking wise a little bit. And even when he's playing from the back, uh, there there are certain times in games, and, and in a way, this strategy can frustrate Interisti a little bit when they start sort of bypassing the midfield and playing long balls out of the back to Lukaku, Certain points in the game where that becomes the tactic where they're skipping over the midfield completely and Bastoni is playing long balls, you know, 70, 80 yards up the pitch to Lukaku. But I, I, I give the kid credit because he plays an accurate long ball as well. Um, you know, every now and again, uh, you know, he's not perfect. Every now and again, he'll, uh, he'll he'll make, you know, a little bit of a marking mistake. Uh, defensively so there there are certain times where you can scrutinize him a little bit but I you know him being so young uh, I I think that uh, there's a good chance he works through some of those mistakes like still I'd I'd consider the most uh, the most solid guy defensively to be DeVry you know Skriniar has his moments he also has had some poor games the last couple of years but uh, the guy with the most potential you know a, a year and a half ago I would have been Raving even more about Scriniar's potential, but at this point, uh, Bastoni is the guy I look at and say, you know, he's really going to be the rock for years to come. Yeah.
0: Molding into a Francesco Acerbi, you know, in my opinion, when I see what he does for Lazio, he's on the left side of the three man defense. He'll come forward, he'll deliver some crosses. You know, he can also hit some, you know, he can also hit some long range passes, um, you know, among a variety of other things. It seems like that's a a pattern that he's following, um, you know, which. You know, considering what a cherry has meant to Lazio, that's not a bad pattern to follow. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, the, the game itself uh, got very interesting very early. Crotone would score in the 12th minute. And, uh, you know, this is where it's Pazza Inter. Not only do you fall behind a team that you're heavily favored against at home, you fall behind to a guy who is a former Milan trainee. Uh, he was on a lot of scoring uh, to put Crotone in front. Uh, by a goal to nil. Um, I mean, first 12 minutes flow of that game. Is that one of those where you just say not worried, a lot of game left, or is it one of those where you kind of sweat a little bit? How how, how do you deal with, you know, a match that you're heavily favored and you give up a goal that early. Where what's your mindset when something like that happens?
1: I mean,
2: it's aggravating uh, because that's been a trend for Inter. They tend to they tend to open games attacking and then conceding on the first chance given up. It's really <laughs> been a common pattern. <laughs> but it, it, it's for as many times this year as we've seen it. Um, when it comes that early, you know, knowing how how Inter have been able to score recently, I, I wasn't worried about it. I, I was actually more annoyed uh, when when they hit their penalty kick which I think made it two two if not mistaken that then in going into halftime tied it, it was getting a little bit tense but as far as the first goal went um, it, it really it, you look at it as more of an inconvenience than anything else and it, if memory serves it was a it was a defensive breakdown I think after a short corner was when they yeah. scored that goal and and that yeah. was just, that was just sloppy in defense I mean the second goal given up was a horrific horrific error to give up the pk but the the first goal uh it's always aggravating not you know 12 minutes in you know okay definitely not going to be a clean sheet against the worst team in the league so so that's a little bit annoying but uh i I knew there'd be more goals in the game after that
1: nice uh nice assist by junior messias on that goal uh yeah you know you talk about not being worried because you know there was a um a picture has been going around the, the, the internet, the Twitter this week, uh, of the top five leagues, the teams that created the most chances, and Inter's one of the most, you know, one of the teams that creates the most opportunities in the game, most quality opportunities too. So, uh, to your point, you know, yeah, they may give up a goal early, but uh, they're gonna, the chances are they're going to put some something on net that good chances they're going to score too. So, yep, and normal
0: service would get resumed in the nineteenth minute. Romelu Lukaku playing in Lautaro Martinez to make it one-one. 12 minutes later, and this is a game that I think suited Inter because Crotoni had more of the ball and Crotoni seems to play like they want to have a little bit more possession for a team like Inter. They love that. Um, and I think that is this game. One of the things that I think that Crotoni paid for dearly was just their line was just a bit too high. Uh, defensively when they were in possession. And, I mean, it's just a cardinal sin against a team like Inter with what they can boast going forward. 31st minute was an own goal by Luca Moroni, but it was a counter where Barella bombed forward along the left-hand side. He got played in, uh, puts the ball across. Maroni tucks it in. It would have been a Lattaro goal if Maroni wasn't there. Yep. Um, he was in great position. But just when you think you can relax – <laughs> I'm not I'm not trying to beat you up here Alex but this is Don't what we're this is Inter and this is what we, get when we when we talk about these highlights here we go Arturo Vidal doing Arturo Vidal things and uh careless foul in the penalty area uh awarding a penalty against Acardius uh, Retcha and it was Vladimir Golomich making it <laughs> 2-2 at halftime and you know I've seen I mean throughout the Milan banter era there were games like this where Milan controlled things controlled possession but all of a sudden the other team just comes back and gets one and the whole psyche is shot. Yeah. Um you know 2-2 for me at halftime you know there's still goals in this game and you basically you know I, I how do you approach it it's kind of one of those okay we're starting to we're starting to lift off here we're starting to generate some things but now all of a sudden they get this because Arturo Vidal yeah. did it again.
2: Here's my thing. Um, and, and let me let me talk to the two two before I, I talk about Arturo Vidal. Um the, the only reason <laughs> why the only reason why I'm a little bit worried being two two in that game, I, I start to get flashbacks of both of the Shakhtar matches in Champions League where we're no. in, in her, Despite, you know, despite out creating, you know, Shakhtar about ten to one in, in opportunities on goal, weren't able to find the back of the net. So that creeps into the back of your head a little bit, right? To think about a dumb penalty given up, to give up your one goal advantage, and then hey, we know that even if this team is creating chances, there's a chance they could hit a cold streak. I've seen it happen before this year. So it, it was a little uh, obviously it would turn out a completely different way, but it was aggravating being two two at halftime because you wonder even if they create 15 more shots on target in this game, are they going to find a way to screw that up? Yeah. Um, as far as Arturo Vidal goes, this, uh, I think the, the second penalty that he created this year. And, you know, you think about uh, when, when he got sent off in the Real Madrid game, the second one in champions league um, he, he's so far this season, it's been a net negative with him. And it was really, really careless, stupid, stupid foul to commit in the box. And it's one of those things where uh, I know when he was brought in late in the summer transfer window, there were a number of Interisti who just, they really hated the signing. I was not one of them. I I Mm -hmm. actually liked the signing. I thought, okay, uh, this is a guy who is, you know, exiting his prime, but theoretically still in his physical prime. He's been a world-class player in the past. He's going to bring experience into the midfield. Mm -hmm. He's got a relationship with Conte. Like there were, a lot of reasons why I was excited for it, and uh, there's still time to turn it around with him, but he he's done more harm than good so far, to be quite honest. Um, I, I think that his big issue as of late, you know, some some might say, oh, he's just a finished player. Um, I, I don't think so. I think that the big issue that's been plaguing him is, um, you know, coming off of some injury issues. I think his fitness is really poor, uh, and 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 with his fitness being so poor, like if you really if you really watched him in that Crotone match, uh, aside from the penalty given up, um, he was really sucking wind, was really huffing and puffing, had a couple of horrific touches prior to that. The the guy just looked exhausted to me, and and the more tired you are when you're already a physical kind of reckless player like Arturo Vidal, when you're extremely tired, you're going to make stupid mistakes and reckless tackles, reckless challenges like that. So. Um, I, I think his fitness has really been what's been betraying him so far, and uh, and and you could you you could hear you know Conte yelling some choice words at him. It's one of those benefits you get when there's no crowd, and and you know the microphone is going to pick up the coaches uh, to actually hear Conte unhappy with Arturo Vidal. You know Arturo must have screwed up because that's one of Conte's <laughs> favorites. So if Conte is yelling at Vidal, you know it's bad. Yep. <laughs>
0: Indeed. So we get out to the second half and uh, that becomes all inter on the score sheet. Again, you know, Letting Crotone have a little bit more of the ball, being comfortable with that, and, and just trying to catch him. And, I mean, when you see a lot of these goals, that's really what happened. Uh, in the 57th minute, after some nice hold-up play by uh, Romelu Lukaku, he finds Brozovic, who finds Lotaro It makes it 3-2. 64th minute is a goal of the week candidate for me. Romelu Lukaku scores an absolute man's goal yeah. um, here, using yeah. his body, shielding off the defender. I mean, and the defender even tried to foul him. Yeah, and he couldn't. Like, he crazy. wanted to like football, like American football poor he, he was poor attempt. Luperto. It was Luperto. Okay. Yeah, it was, and, yeah. And tried to just, he's like was ready to just get sent off. Either he was ready to get sent off to avoid the goal. He was getting ready to get sent off saying, <laughs> fuck this. I don't want to mark this guy anymore. No, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> and Lukaku scores to make it 4-2. Latara would get his hat trick in the 78th minute, and then uh, just for good measure in the 87th, Ashraf Hakimi, who has been an absolute revelation. I mean, we said once this guy signed for Inter, I said, this is the perfect fit signing. Did Darmian uh, get the, the assist from
1: the left wing? He yeah, did. Darby. You know, yes, I, can't, did.
2: I can't remember if he did. He- it was. Darmian played it across.
0: Yep. Darmian played it across, and I did not right. You're home. You're right. It's a, it's a win for Inter, um, six to two an emphatic one. Uh, it comes at a little bit of a cost with the Romelu Lukaku injury. Uh, and you said it's, it's a muscular problem, but not as serious as thought. Do we know how much he's going to miss?
2: Um, so, Anyone? so the last that I saw, um, you know, he, he went through tests x x-rays imaging and, and it was negative. So it's, apparently they don't even consider it an injury, but I, I suspect he's not going to play against Somp just as a precaution, because if, if there's any soreness to it, um, he, at, at this point he's earned some time off. He's been a he's been a horse so far, so I, I think Conte is is most likely going to rest him against Samp. Um and, and Alexis Sanchez is fit now, so he'll probably be next to Lautaro up top. Yep. And uh, and I, I think the good news about about the injury not being serious is uh, you really want Lukaku to be healthy against Roma at the weekend. So I think that's. I think that's what we're looking at. I think he's going to sit out. My suspicion, he'll sit out against Samp, and play against Roma.
0: Got it. Now, um, I feel like the the way this game flowed, this perfectly suits Inter the way they the way this game went. I don't find this Inter team to be a team. And and we talked about Roma like th- I, I talked about Roma like this on Twitter. Um, you know, as Richard will explain as he as he goes down the as he goes down the batch of games. Um, a game, a game flow like this suits Inter where they don't mind having an in a possession inferiority, not like where they it's not a 75 25 inferiority, but this was 55 45 nearly in favor of Crotone, Which okay, you can have the ball a little bit, and we're going to see if we can catch you because I think that that to me, with the way this Inter team is set up and with the way Conte manages his teams, I think that's their best way of going about their business in a, you know, in a footballing environment and a game where they monopolize possession. I think they end up having their issues. And a lot of it has to do with, because of that three man center midfield, there isn't a lot of creativity there. Uh, A guy that can really unlock things or play between the lines and get into those half spaces. You know, this is where a Christian Erickson would come in handy in a three, four, one, two shape, but clearly Conte doesn't like his fit in this team. So, with the way that Conte approaches this week in and week out and with the guys that he teams seems to trust, this feels like this was the perfect game environment for them.
2: Yeah, and, and another thing is you're right to bring up the three-man midfield, but the three-man back line, I think, can also get overexposed. Um, if you're playing a possession-based game and then you're giving up counterattacks, that, that's when the three man that's when the three-man back line can get a little get a little bit flat-footed if the numbers are even with the attack. So I think that's been an issue that they've had. But as far as uh, you know giving up some possession, especially effective when you're going up against a provincial side who likes to attack the way Crotone did. So yeah. they were they were really sitting ducks when Inter, you know, took over when, when they when they gained possession and, and were going for more quick, decisive attacks, it, it really gave Crotone trouble. And and it's Inter's bread and butter, because when you when you have a guy like Lukaku to play long balls too, or when you have a guy as fast as Hakimi, you know, running down the right flank, I think they're finally starting to figure out that they can play long balls into that channel, and he's just going to outrun a left fullback to reach that ball. I, no matter right? what time of game
1: it is, no matter what time of game it is. Yeah mm-hmm. oh.
2: I, I don't know. and and obviously, as Richard knows, watching him in Bundesliga, you know better than most. Uh, and I, I'm not sure quite frankly why it seemed to take inter a couple months to figure out that if you if you play balls into that right channel, he is going to sprint to it. And something good is going to happen. They finally seem to have figured that out. So obviously, if you're going to be attacking that way, uh, your own attacks are only going to take a matter of seconds. So you don't yeah. have to build up a lot of possession to do that. So it's you know, and and I've I, I've watched and supported different styles of different teams around the world, and you know, possession based football can be fun, but you know, I, I think uh, giving up some possession can also be fun if teams are yeah. decisive. I, I always say that. The most overrated stat in, in football is possession. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day what really matters to me or chances created. Uh, that's really that's really the bread and butter. And, and yeah, Conte seems to make that work.
1: Yep. Before we move on, there's one question I'm pretty sure we all know the answer to, but we'll ask it anyway. Uh it comes from Twitter. Uh, AK21RD says, Alex, uh, who would you rather win, Juve or Inter, considering the standings? Cheers. I, I, I think you figured- meant to say Juve with the Juve Milan I think it's Juve Milan. Yeah. I yeah. Milan, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, th- this is a, this is a really weird one. Okay. Because, um, oh, you know,
1: we got you
0: the, on at the, the perfect time, Alex. Yeah. I think
1: entering I think uh, a perfect no, spot in second you, place because the pressure is less than if they were in first. That's just me. You know, I, I'm going to
2: say if, if it's between Juve and Milan, uh, obviously both would be painful, but I, I'm going to say Milan, uh, I, I really am, uh, because I, I know, uh, it, 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 the one of the main reasons why we all know why it would be painful. I mean, crosstown rivals, um, you know, Milan Twitter is going to get extremely cocky and, and there's going to be a, a lot Ooh, of, a lot of banter. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, I, I've got to remember my roots as an Interista. Uh, Juventus is public enemy number one. Guys, they've enjoyed enough success, right? I mean, nine nine straight Scudetti. I, I don't need them making it a full decade. Yeah. So I, I'd rather I'd rather some new blood, right? If there was yeah. going to be new blood winning a title, I, I'd rather it be someone like Atalanta that nobody really hates. Like you know, nobody really except Stevie for the my co-host. Yeah, he hates Atalanta, but I. You know, if if it was going to be somebody else, I'd rather it be a team like, or even Lazio. Uh, Lazio, nowhere close to it right now. But if it's. Wait a second. Wait a second.
0: Wait a second. Do you really want that for a full year? Do you really want to be co hosting a podcast with an insufferable Jerry Mancini? He's already insufferable enough. (laughs) Can you imagine if Lazio won a Scudetto? I would would have to pray for you every day. Okay.
2: Jerry would probably kick me off Calcio Connection. He'd say, "Hey, La- La- Lazio, we're champions. I don't need this Interista anymore. I'm just going to talk about
1: Lazio." <laughs> Interview himself. <laughs> he would. Uh, well, there are several other games to talk about. A uh, lots of gold. Something about the black and blue jersey that you know made goals happen this end this weekend. Uh, Atalanta hosting Sassuolo, five-one victory. Uh, first and eleventh minute, um, nice quick passing by Atalanta Zapata ended up powering home the goal. Uh, one nothing at that point. Uh, just before halftime, a nice counter attack. Joseph Ilichich finds Piscino with a nice volley. Goal of the week candidate. Uh, two nothing at halftime. Coming out of the first half, or out of the second half, I should say, uh, early on, 49th minute, uh, Remo Froiler with a great assist to Zapata for his second. That's a goal of the week candidate there. Uh, and then to round it all off, uh, well, not to round it all off, but um, 57th minute. Uh, Over the top pass, Ilicic finds Gosens, who blasted Holmes. They would get another goal late. 5-1 victory. Sassuolo would also get one in consolation. Big victory for Atalanta. Looks like they may be back in their goal-scoring ways. Two weeks in a row now, uh, pounding home the goals. Uh, Moving on to Cagliari hosting Napoli. A game we thought maybe Cagliari could make it uh, difficult for Napoli. Not so much. Uh, The 25th minute, Zelensky bombing home a shot. Goal of the week candidate there. Uh, 60th minute, Cagliari would peg one back. Uh, Sotillo would find Jao Pedro. He would get the goal right in front of the, in the six-yard box, 1-1. One, one. However, Napoli would uh, respond quickly. Di Lorenzo finds Zelensky, who uh, in his Zidane-esque way uh, chips it over Cepitelli and gets a goal in. Uh, goal of the week candidate, 2-1 at that point. Uh, Lico Giannis would get his second yellow in the 65th minute uh, when it's already hard to get possession with Napoli. Frank uh, it gets even harder when uh, Liko Janis uh, makes it uh, one man down for Cagliari.
0: You know, and I rate Liko Janis. I actually like him. Um, but you know, but I like what he does going forward. I like his, cr- I like his crossing. I like his passing. But defensively, he can tend to be a little bit of a liability, and, and Napoli exposed
1: him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and they would, and they would expose me even further in the seventy fourth minute. Uh, ball bouncing in, uh, bouncing around in the box, uh, courtesy of uh, Petania's persistence. Lozano would bang home the rebound. 3-1 at that and uh, sinya would make it 4-1 at the end of the game. Does Gattuso, uh, does Gattuso tell Patanya pretend that's a pie, the ball? <laughs> must, he must. <laughs> I will feed you if you
0: score. <laughs> you can the eat, if, you, if you're involved in goals, you get to eat.
2: Dude, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> I, I gotta tell you, still, this reminds me, w- one of my favorite moments in, in the history of your show, this had to have been a year ago or more than a year ago, this, this was when, uh, when Pitanya was still on Spall. And I, I give petanya credit. It looks like he's on a better diet regimen at Napoli yeah, because yeah, he, he he was a lot fatter at Spall. But I can remember Richard making this comment. He said, have you guys seen petania lately? He's getting fatter. <laughs> i was laughing my ass off he was so good
1: yeah it's true but yeah he he's on a better regiment now he does look trimmer as does Luka, lukaku at inter as well yeah um i agree with stevie that sassuolo is in trouble so uh that's a definite times there um a game that we can uh easily uh pass over i think no one decided to show up and so we're not gonna talk about it fiorentina bologna zero zero in that game uh, if you watch that game i i apologize for for everyone here um, I, hope, hope, I hope nobody paid to go to that game. The, uh, the I, thousand people that they let in, I hope they all got in for free. I hope they, I hope they paid them to, to go there. I right. even look
0: for statistics. I'm like, no, why bother? 12 <laughs> shot. Like twelve. I think it was like a combined 12 shots or something like that. Uh, yeah. Oh I yeah. Yeah. yeah Atalanta gets off 12 shots in like 30 minutes. Yeah, Exactly. <clears throat>
1: exactly. A game slightly more interesting, uh, Genoa hosting Lazio. Uh, in the 15th minute, Lord Zapata did his best uh, jumping over uh, SMS impersonation, did foul him in the box. Uh, smart play by uh, Milinkovic Savic to like, stick his feet in the box to get that penalty. Immobile would convert one nothing at that point. It looked like maybe there would be a clear sailing, but uh, uh, Genoa did make it difficult, and the, the new man Eldor, uh, a guy both Frank and I are really high on um, uh, beautiful, beautifully dances around Leva, uh, then assists Destro. Destro scoring goals again uh, for Lazio. One or for Genoa, excuse me. One, one in the fifty-eighth minute. That would be all the goal scoring. Though Eldor uh, would come very close at the end uh, to to get the win for Genoa. Unfortunately, he misses uh, just wide. One, one. That game ends like that. Uh, Parma Torino, a game that could have been a snooze fest, but uh, it was the Andrea Belotti show. Uh, he in the eighth minute, he would find Singo for the goal, a wonderful pass by him, a nice finish by Singo. one, uh, nothing, uh, Torino at that point. Uh, and that would be the last score goal scoring for majority of the game until very, very late where it, would get a goal off a corner kick in the 88th. And then in the fifth minute of stoppage time and Goyak would get a nice goal, uh, from another assist by Belotti, Belotti finding his, uh, passing boots in this one, uh, two assists by him, three, nothing win by Torino, uh, Good for them to get another win in this, they, they need it badly. Uh, moving on to Roma and Sampdoria, and this is a you know, Frank was kind of alluding to this earlier. Uh, this was a very gritty, waterlogged game. Uh, many yellow cards in this one. We had eight yellow pretty.
0: I oh. mean, the only time Sampdoria got the ball was when they were taking uh goal kicks and throw ins, they had absolutely no interest in any kind of possession None.
1: whatsoever in this game. And I don't know if it was the water or just they just didn't care. Uh, it, it was so much water on the pitch, but and, yeah. and it's so frustrating
2: to watch. Uh, because I've seen a number of post rain games at the Olympico. And I know, I, I know that Bo, you know Roma desperately wants a new stadium, and and you can understand why for a number of reasons. Mm. That stadium they must have on their pitch the worst drainage in the entire world. Like they drainage, just,
1: drainage, no
2: drainage whatsoever. Like, uh, you know, I've I've seen other other stadiums. You know, American football. Uh, soccer, football stadiums, and and you know when it when it rains, once it stops raining, a couple of hours later, the pitch is virtually dry. Yeah. If it rains on on a Wednesday in Rome, on Sunday, the pitch is going <laughs> to still look like a lake. Did you see all the seagulls? La- the seagulls would land in the water, and the, and then they'd attack and fly away.
0: Wow. Had the game where the pigeons? No, that was the Lazio game where the pigeons flew
1: away. Oh right, yeah. right that was that. Yeah. That was that match. Yeah. La, 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 Lago di Olimpico. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, so Roma, it was one-way traffic in this game. Uh, early in the second half, uh, Smalling did have opportunity. He had a header uh, off a free kick that hit the crossbar. Um, Adura would make another big point-blank save on Dzeko not too long, not too much later uh, with a header attempt as well. Uh, but in the 72nd minute, we finally would get a goal. Cristante finally playing in a, a role more suitable for him. Yeah, he slides it off to the right, to Carr's rope, who uh, out wide does a low in-swinger that finds Dzeko. Nice redirection by him for the goal. That would be the all all the goals in that game. One nothing. I mean, that's all they needed. It was one way traffic. No, nothing that Sampdoria could have done. Uh, You feel bad for their players or for anybody or their fans really. Uh, Roma just completely dominating them, and it kind of worries you that maybe Ranieri doesn't even care anymore. That that they're not trying hard at all. It's, It's, I mean, Roma are good, but are they this good to completely dominate them, Alex?
2: Um. I, they, they played enjoyable football in, in recent weeks, um, but you're right. Somp were just sandbagging too much. But honestly, I, I, I think Roma is that good. I give Fonseca a lot of credit because I think for him, um, you know, they've got some talent, but I, I think that tactically, I think that they punch above their weight a little bit. So yeah, yeah I, I think that they are that good. They probably should have won more than 1-0, to be honest. It should have been a 3- or 4-0 type of game.
1: Yeah, Frank, this is a better performance by their defense. I mean, granted, it's Sampdoria, it's but, you know, seeing uh, you know Mancini, um, the new man Roger, and uh, obviously uh, Smalling back there, they did very well. And, you know, having Sante back in the midfield kind of helped as opposed to put him in the defense. Well, I mean, when you can see what's coming, it's easy to defend. Yeah. And that's true. Roman has
0: 65% possession in this game. That's true. Um you know, and I'm not. You know, I, I want to avoid committing blasphemy by saying this, but Fabio Quagliarella is not the Fabio Quagliarella of the last several years. You know, so he's is he gonna is he gonna make his runs? Is he gonna time things and get in the penalty area? Yeah, he's he's still a threat. Um, but you know, if you know what your opponent is going to do coming in. It's it's really easy to deal with, and, and I think Roma had an easy time of this. For that, Sampdoria had, like I said, they had no interest in having any possession. Hi, Mark. Uh, Mark's here for the DraftKings takes in a little bit. So, um, <laughs> uh, but but hang in there. Good to have you on, Bud. Um, so you have Yanko pumping in crosses from the left. Al- Algallo getting around and pumping in crosses from the left. Kandreva, you know, pumping in crosses from the right. Who Alex is familiar with. So that's what their game is now. Okay, get it wide. Get it to these guys. And, and find Qualiorella. Well, then you got a three-man defense of Mancini, Smalling, and Ibanez. It's really, really hard to find Qualiorella on crosses. Hmm. So, you know, I think that this was an easy game for Roma to deal with. I think that the game against Crotone in midweek, I think that there'll be a few more challenges for them. Um, But, you know, this was – like I said, I, I, I'm not ready to call Roma a great defense
1: yet because of this particular match and how it played out. Yeah, I think we can I, – I, I'm more comfortable anointing to have a great midfield before I say a yeah. great defense. Their midfield I like a lot, and I've been talking about them all season long. And a lot of people have. Uh, it's really they really work well together. Yeah. You know, so um, so moving on, um, another entertaining game. Uh, Spezia hosting Hellas. Uh, Inzolo looked like he had a marvelous chance early on to put Spezia up, uh, but he hit the side net on a breakaway. He really needed to put that away. Unfortunately, he did not. Uh, Provedel would be end up making some big saves in this game because Hellas did uh, bring the pressure on the, against them. Uh, but there wasn't much goal scoring until uh, late uh, in the 69th minute. Chabot with a really dumb second yellow. Uh, he gets kicked out of the game. Uh, that free kick actually led to a header opportunity by Colley that just missed, but just minutes later, um, hey, beaut- in the 75th minute, a beautiful team play. Ended up going to Miguel Veloso, who chips it over the top to Faraoni. He hits it right one time to back across the goal as a Kanye- off his chest bicycles it in this is goal of the week right here yep. for, ladies and gentlemen uh yep. what a beautiful play by Hellas and what a finish by Zakani. i mean pff, brilliant Oh, that's a 10 10 out of 10 goal for me i mean easily
0: yeah that's uh there's that's i've got three stars next to that and i think i, I every other goal that's in my goal of the week i don't, got a star, got one star next to it so
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was such a brilliant team. I mean, it's just a goal you probably see like Sassuolo or Atalanta score or something like that, not uh, not Hellas. But hey, Zaccagni is special. The team, the, the three main players who uh, contribute to that goal, Zaccagni, Ferraoni, and, and Veloso, they're all good together. So uh, well done by them. That would be the ol- only goal of the game. Uh, Hellas win 1-0. What a goal to win that game. Uh, the last two games, uh, Benevento hosting Milan. Uh, early on, Milan had some early chances. Tonali fed Diaz at one point. They had a screamer over the bar. Uh, 15th minute, Benevento trying to play out of their back. And uh, unfortunately, they're not that good at that. Uh, Rebic uh, goes for a loose ball. He gets taken out by Tuya. Uh, Kessie would end up converting on the penalty kick. Uh, but first, this is a little bit of controversy. Uh, do we agree this is a penalty or do we think it's maybe not a penalty, soft penalty?
2: Oh, I, I thought it was a little soft. And I, I know you're going to say, oh, of course, the Interista is going to say that. <laughs> of course, the Interista is going to say that. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was uh, maybe a little bit of an incidental body to body. I You know, obviously, w- once it gets called, they're certainly not going to overturn that with VAR. Um, you know, it's listed. It, it's not uh, it, it wasn't the type of penalty where I'm going to see it and I'm going to scream corruption. You know, Calciopoli now for Milan. Nothing like that. But I, I thought it was a little soft.
1: How about you frank
0: it just comes down to the interpretation of the officials yeah yeah. really i mean there's a another set of officials that have said no penalty i mean it's a fit it's a coin flip what they're going to do in that situation and as a as a milan fan i'm not going to complain because how many times over the years has that gone against us so yeah true.
1: yeah I, I agree too I, I i thought it was a soft penalty for sure but i thought it was it was contact there i, I can see why it could be called but yeah, I, I'm kind of with Alex in this one where I do think it was a little bit soft there, but um, it is what it is, right? Uh, goals will be scored by Kessie on the penalty, uh, though Benevento would uh, respond very very well uh, in, the, in the 20th minute. Uh, Insigne would get a shot off, hits off the post and stays out. A good opportunity for him. Uh, things would be a little bit harder for Milan in the 33rd minute. Tonali would get a red card for a high boot on the leg of Ionita. Uh, gentlemen, do we think this was a red or do we think this is more a yellow card? Uh, Frank, I'll go with you first. That's a red. Uh, that has
0: been a red every single time it's been called, when it's caught live, when it goes to um, VAR. I, I had no problem with that. As you know, um, I have a bigger problem with all of a sudden this piling on of Sando Finale that he can't cut it, that he's not good. That That's me on Twitter. It, yeah, it's not only me on Twitter, it's, it's, it's going on across the board now. You know, yeah. I mean, inter, inter fans now are saying, well, look, look, we, it looks like we dodged a bullet by giving up on him. Well, you know, first of all, he's young. All right. Um, second of all, he just went from a team where he was the man, you know, so he's gone from being a big fish in a small pond to now being a small fish in a, in a big pond. Yeah. All right. He has to... Uh, follow the act of the double pivot of Ishmael Benasser and and Frank Kessie, who had been fantastic from the restart and continue to be fantastic until the Ben injury. There is so much that he has to live up to. And there's a lot, you know, you know, and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on him on top of that. And Adam Digney made a very good point on this on Twitter said he's never played in a double pivot, not professionally, at least he's always yeah. been the single, in, in, in the, in the, the middle of a three-man midfield. Um, You know, where he kind of plays that Jorginho role, plays that Pirlo role. Um, That's what he's suited at. He's not in a role where he can sit, you know, partner and share that area of the pitch with another player. You know, so there is some growing pains with him. The good news is in a case like Sandro Tonaldi, he's very, very young. He's not – he should not be set in his ways. Correct. in a specific set of tactics, he should be able to learn and should be able to grow from this. And I'm not gonna slam the door and say that this was a failure after only being with a team like this for three
1: months. Remember what? Remember what everyone was saying about alexis Salamacher's last year? They're like, oh, why he's he's yeah. a waste? We wasted all this money. This year they're like, oh, he's a revelation. He's their best right winger. So yeah, give him time. I think.
0: Me on Twitter can be the. I mean, <laughs> the it's, devil. It, <laughs> I mean, I've got two things in common with them. We both live, we, we live on planet earth and we're Milan supporters and that's it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they just, just jump on everything. And I love you guys dearly. Please take this as, take. you know, don't take, don't, don't take this personally. But you jump on every little negativity, and it's just like Jesus. Embrace this. This is a very good team. These are very good players. You've got new players, and and a guy like Tonali who has an incredible career ahead of him. Still, in my opinion, that's still trying to figure this out. Yeah. Give him yeah. time.
2: He's yeah. twenty years old. I mean, yeah. uh, and 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 I, I I get what you're saying. I see meal on Twitter get on him, and I also see Inter Twitter. Saying that that they dodged a bullet, which is ridiculous. I mean, I, I I would have loved the opportunity to make an investment in in a player of, of his age and his potential. Um, so you know, I, I was uh, I I was disappointed when he ended up at Milan, and I'm still disappointed to this day. I maybe I wasn't expecting as many growing pains as he's had, but uh, it's I, I wouldn't be too discouraged with the guy, especially when Milan. Are in good shape in the midfield, even besides Tonali. And as far as him getting sent off, yeah, it was absolutely a red. Uh, I liked, uh, I, I liked the way that Pioli handled it. From from the anecdote that I heard yeah. after he was sent off, Pioli gave him a hug and he said, "Listen, you're going to learn from this, right?" I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a shouting session, there wasn't a condemnation. You know, I, I think that Pioli looks at it as a learning experience for Tonali. I think he's going to look at it the same way.
1: Yeah yeah you know and uh you know phil makes a great point he says not every young player is halon you know most 19 20 year olds take time and i agree with this uh i put up this this uh, post by brian johnson because i'm in agreement with him, with him. he says the, to be honest the more i watch it the less i understand what a red card is uh you know 50 50 i i don't actually thought i didn't think this was a red um was it stupid yes um was his you know boot you know high yes but uh studs up yeah but I don't think there was malice in any in, in this. Um, I've seen plays with the there was certain like, certainly malice, and you know obviously it's a red card. I didn't see malice in this. It looked like he was going for the ball, and the ball the guy kicked it, and they and kicked the uh, Ionita. So I thought it was a harsh red, but uh, I can see why it was called because it has been called in the past, like the, like Frank mentioned. So it's a difficult call. It's 50-50. It's hard to tell plays like this. You know they're not going to go VAR necessarily all the time, but um it is what it is he gets a, he gets a, he gets a red card and milan are forced to be one man down for the rest of the game with a team that's uh ready to go in benevento um we would go into halftime by that scoreline one nothing uh but coming out of the coming out of the out of the half uh milan were raring uh Rebich on the counter in the 48th minute uh he gets his pass blocked by the defender but it goes out into no man's land uh, with an amazing hustle to not only outpace Glick, but also the goalkeeper, Montepo. Then he has a wherewithal to chip it over the goalkeeper to get a goal. Uh, goal of the week, Kennedy here, two nothing by Milan. Uh, Frank, what hustle by Leao. I mean, the youngster, we, you know, he's been given a lot of a lot of stick lately for not, you know, putting all effort in. But I mean, what a play to out hustle the, the defender and the goalkeeper and then score a goal.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that, uh, probably kills anyone from Milan Twitter talking about. Leo is lazy, right? Cause he could have very, I mean, he could have easily a lazy player. Let me tell you, Mario Bellatelli is not hustling after that ball. Okay. He's letting Glick get it. He's letting, and, and, you know, Milan have to reset and defend. Okay. that That's the difference, you know, um, you know, Leo, I think should change the mindset of some people just on that goal by itself. I think that he's, yeah. he's committed. Um, he, he puts in the work ethic. Are there times where he looks casual? Yes, sure. Yeah, okay. But every you can say that about every player on the pitch. All right. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, and and, and just a great finish. Uh, and I think it was important for him. So, um, you did. Steve disagrees that layout and he says layout is lazy. All right. Oh. I, you know. Steve and I disagree on individual players on Milan. All the <laughs> Whatever time. you're taking, about, the opposite. We thought about Gabia a couple of months ago, so he's just going to do this on purpose. And then I'm going to go on his podcast on Monday and say, "How about that work ethic from Leal? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> hardest working player on the team." Uh, so, uh, no, I mean, you're not lazy if you're trying to run down a ball and and, and get past a couple of players. G- granted, Camille Glick and and and, and Montepo aren't going to remind you of Usain Bolt anytime soon. Yeah, but. You know, you still have to get through them to get to a ball cleanly and, and still finish. So,
1: do I think that uh, Liao is better you than Kylian Mbappe? Heck no, heck no, <laughs> heck
0: no. Uh, anyway,
1: um, so no,
0: Riyadh, we're realistic on this podcast. Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Benevento would try to fight back in this one. Insania had another opportunity that with a back heel kick that just missed it past uh, Gigio. Uh, but then the 60th minute, uh, our friend Krunic – uh, takes down Caprari, Caprari in the box. Uh, He's got to play 90 penalty. minutes tomorrow. Oh, my goodness, right? Uh, he, he, clear penalty, clear cut on this one. Uh, Caprari steps up, misses completely wide. Uh, somehow still 2-0 in that point. Uh, Lapadula in the 69th minute, uh, great turn on Romagnoli. Gigio with a big save to get down and, and make the save on him. Uh, 72nd minute, Chalnolo also had a shot, uh, hits off the post. Uh, and then in the 84th layout serves as the who also hits the post. Uh, you could have called this from the postman, uh, so many posts in this game, but Milan went two nothing, uh, a, a tough victory, go down, you know, 10 men and still find a way to get a victory against a team that looked like they were interested in, in getting some points off of them. So, um, good result for Milan overall. And then the last game to round out the slate, uh, Juve hosting Udinese game is 4-1, uh, Juve with early pressure through Ronaldo and, and Ramsey. Uh, Musso looked big and looked good early, but uh, the 31st minute, Ramsey with a great defensive play steals the ball right to Ronaldo, who does his thing, scores a great goal. Uh, goal of the week Canada there in the 31st minute. 49th minute, Udinese turnover. Uh, turnover, excuse me. Uh, Ronaldo finds Chiesa, who scores the goal far post, 2-0 in the 49th minute. 57th minute, we thought we had a goal back. Strieger Larson gets a great header, but it hits the crossbar and goes out. Uh, and then, and, you know, to make matters worse, when you don't score, usually the opposition does. 69th minute, Samir uh, with a short pass to DePaul. Very short. Bentancourt steals it, finds Ronaldo. He scores on the breakaway. Uh, there were some opportunities by Ziggler. Uh He hits a post in the 73rd. He did get a goal in the 90th minute, but uh, uh, Dybala in, in stoppage time would get a goal. Uh, had a nice little breakaway, chipped it over the keeper. 4-1, Juve win. Nice big win against Udinese, gentlemen. Um, lots of goals this week. Lots of goals this weekend. Uh, the, like I said, the black and blue teams uh, scored bunches of goals. But I mean, just goals around the league. Uh, where do you want to start with this, Alex? Go ahead, Alex. Go ahead. Well, so
2: um, I, I think uh, it, it goes without saying because uh, I don't think there needs to be a whole lot of suspense with goals of the week. The Zakanyi bicycle might've been one of the goals of the season so far. No yeah. question. That was the goal the way that there's no competition. The, the other four that I really liked from the weekend, uh, you know, we, we've mentioned a few of these during the course of conversation. Um, I, I love Lukaku's goal, you know, one-on-one was just tremendous. The guy is so immense and strong. I actually thought that uh, despite the fact that Lautaro scored a hat trick, I, I could even argue that Lukaku was the man of the match in that game. He was so impressive in that win over Crotone. Um, to give Milan some credit, the Liao curler I thought was beautiful. That was a top five goal this week, no question. You know, you'd know, you mentioned, Richard, in the rundown that Zielinski had a couple of goals for Napoli. I, I thought the second one where he just embarrassed yeah. the defender in the box. Beautiful. Yeah, And the exclamation he put on that was awesome. Both his goals in that game were really nice. And then the atalanta the piscina goal was awesome so th- that's my top five this week but number one with a bullet was zakani and it's not close
1: i agree with that uh, i'll do my top five next frank uh, honorable mention for me everyone's going to be surprised is liao's honorable mention for me uh, ronaldo's first is my go- my also honorable mention uh, coming at number five for me lukaku with his pirouette i really like that goal like frank said that's a man's goal there Coming to number four, Zelensky's first goal, that power, that powerful shot he had. Uh, number three for me, Zapata's second. The assist by Froehler I just thought was out of this world. Beautiful back backheel uh, assist to him. Uh, number two for me, Zelensky, that goal that you mentioned, Zidane-esque over Cipitelli and beating the keeper. Great goal by Zelensky, and obviously Zakanye is hands down number one. That was just a beautiful goal from beginning to end. Yep. Yep. Um- I don't have any honorable mentions. Uh, number
0: five, I'm going to go with Pesina's goal. Um, I thought that you know, the, the pass from Ilicic was sublime. The finish from Piscina was great. And I think Pasina deserved a goal.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, all of this controversy about Papu Gomez. And I mean, I think Piscina's given you a reason why Gomez is frozen out. I mean, you're seeing Ilicic come back to fitness, but you're seeing Mateo Pasina handling this role competently. Um, the comment that I made, the description I made when watching the game, I said, Pasina's playing that role with more simplicity. You know, he's not taking as many risks as a Papu Gomez would take. You know, he's you know, he's passing, he's helping his team keeping the ball, and then he's getting in some dangerous trying to get in some dangerous positions. So good for him to see him finally get on the score sheet. Leal was number four for me. Um, Lukaku's man goal was number three for me. Uh Zielinski's second uh was number two, and then the Zakanye goal was the, the goal of the week. Uh, you know, for me, in my opinion. You know, it's just as far as the rest of the games, I just I have to keep making sure I have a pulse. And I have to keep taking my temperature because I'm I'm living in a Serie A season where Mattia Destro is scoring goals. Yeah, um, I'm not used <laughs> to this. Yeah, um, he did it again. Um, you know, just I mean, an absolute failure at Roma, failure at Milan. You know, seems to be finding some footing at Genoa. You know, and it looks like Balladini has a mix of forwards that he can rotate between him, uh, Scamata, and uh, Shmuradov. Um, yeah, the Atalanta, I. I Sassuolo were just so unbelievably stretched i watched that game i could not believe i mean atalanta should have had even more than five yes I mean, it was just it was, it was it was it was shocking uh
1: to see from Sassuolo. this looked like um, last year's atalanta this is what it looked like it was great performance by them yep it was just, um, just strength left and right yep and then
0: you know juve to see you know ronaldo score two non-penalties uh you know, <laughs> was 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 good to see there, and they were actually decent goals. They weren't even, they were, I think he had the yeah. one that was. A, they weren't even tap ins or anything. No, they're like that. good so shots. They were, yeah, you know, so so that kind of any any haters, uh, they're kind of shushed. So I mean, it was a great great way to see Serie A come back. There were thirty three goals. Uh, you know, Fiorentina and Bologna didn't get the memo. Um, they're still they're still in siesta. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, they come back and and try and do something this week. We'll see. Uh, so. Um, but, but that's, uh, yeah, that's a wrap on this week. So, yeah, big game
1: looming on the horizon tomorrow.
0: Yep. Milan and Juve. Let's get into that first and let's preview that game. Gentlemen, some concerns and scares that this game could get called off. Um, we should point out that uh, Juve are dealing with some COVID issues. Juan Cuadrado and Hmm. Alexandro not available to play. Where have I seen this before? Where have we seen this before? (laughs) Um, You know, So that's something that we want to – I want to address some questions here. First of all, we've got uh, Riyad Ramdane asking, can Teo Hernandez keep Cristiano Ronaldo in his back pocket? Hell no.
1: Um,
0: (laughs) Teo Hernandez is not in there to defend. Um, And if he has to defend for long periods of time, you can count on a yellow card. Um, <clears throat> that role is going to be shared between the likes of Romagnoli, Chiar, and Calabria, which makes a lot more sense because Ronaldo tends to operate from the left, which will be Milan's right. You very rarely see him going over to Teo's side. So Teo doesn't have to worry about that at all. Um, he will have to worry about whatever comes down the right-hand side, which might appear to be Federico Chiesa at this point. I don't think he has to, with Cuadrado out of the mix, that maybe makes his role a little bit easier without Cuadrado coming down and bombing down against him. Um, but we are seeing two teams that are coming into this game. Milan need to win to keep at the top of the table um they need to win to i think it just further validates maybe their cause for a scudetto i still th- i'm still going to say top 4 until top 4 is clinched um and then after that whatever you, whatever place you can get um and then you have uh juve who need this game because a loss here puts them at this stage of the season with a game in hand 13 points behind first um would you have imagined that about Juventus? No, even even this Juventus with some transition with Andrea Pirlo. So yeah. this is a desperate game for both teams. I think it's going to be very, 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 very tight. For me, well, to try to predict a winner in this uh, is going to be is crazy. Juve
1: has been in good form lately. Juve has been in good form. They, right. Yeah, they've been Juve in very been good made- form.
0: <sighs> Milan, I, I just I can't mess with the streak. Even if it is Juve, I can't mess with the streak. Milan are scoring two or more goals every game. All right, and I'm gonna, I'm going to, I, and I'm not doing this because I'm a homer. I'm, I'm doing this because I think Milan will win this game. They're going to win two-one. It's going to be a narrow game. It's going to come down to some kind of an odd goal, and it's going to come from somewhere we didn't expect. That's usually how these games work. You know, um, is there
1: from Gabby? No, it's not Steve.
0: <laughs> could be a set piece for Romagnoli. Benucci losing his marker. Okay, you know, that bonucci delete combination at the center of defense, you can get at that, even with what Milan are going to be not having Ibra or or some of the guys at their disposal. So I'm going narrowly, Milan 2-1, an odd goal is going to win this for the Rossoneri. Alex, uh, you have two teams that you have to hate equally or maybe one more than the other, (laughs) so... I and, think and, your actual uh, prediction is that you would hope that there's an unfortunate explosion at the San Siro uh, and that these two, two clubs no longer exist. <laughs> but <laughs>
2: well, you know, Real- I, I'm gonna my, my prediction, and I really am feeling this, and it also would happen to be probably the most convenient result. Uh, I'm thinking a draw here. Mm. Um, I, I'm gonna go a two-two. I'll, I'll give goals to Ronaldo and Chiesa. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give goals to uh, to Leao and Teo Hernandez on the Milan side. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I think I think it's one of those types of games where, and like you mentioned, Frank, it's so important to both of these teams that that's why I almost feel like a, a draw maybe feels like my most likely result. Uh, I will, though, uh, from a Milan perspective, I, I made this uh, this statement in the last episode I did with Jerry uh, on Monday. And I'll make it again for you guys. I, I really do feel that if Milan are able to win this match, then I, I I think that they could probably be considered. And I know it's still early in the season, but if Milan win this match outright, I think they can be considered odds-on Scudetto favorites at this point. Mm. So if, if you look at the odds makers the way that they have it right now, um, I, I believe uh, Inter are are the odds-on favorites in most of the books. But I, I think if Milan can can really make a definitive statement against Juventus and take all three points, then uh, especially if, if they win it really convincingly, then, uh, then I, I think maybe the odds makers might even consider looking in Milan's direction. I think this is a huge opportunity for them at the same time. And, and let me revise my prediction a little bit because when I predict 2-2, I think one of those Juventus goals, the one that Ronaldo scores, will be a penalty because, guys, of
1: course, of course,
2: it seems like an awfully big game to allow Milan to win two one. So maybe around the eighty fifth minute, eighty eighth minute is when
1: uh, (laughs) when Ronaldo goes down. Yeah, that's uh, Richard. You going
0: to put yourself out there on this one, or I've got two one to Milan. Alex is going for a two two draw. Where are you at? Do we know if Zlatan's back? Uh
1: the possible lineup I'm looking at does not show him back. Okay. Uh not that it was gonna change my 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 mind or anything at all. Um Milan has played really great lately. We've seen uh that how they play without Kiar, without Zlatan, that they can still perform. The youngsters have, you know, shown up. The kids are all right. Uh, you know, they're just doing some great things. Liao, you know, Liao scoring a goal. I mean rebitch i mean everyone's contributing on this team um and it's, it really is a team you can see this one you know outs off the pitch this really does look like a team you know they're all they're all in unison together all on the same page um but you, you know ever since that that champions league game with juventus uh recently where they won uh, against barcelona um they've kind of turned things around they've they started looking very strong last couple games they have started putting up goals as well and uh, maybe maybe they finally got it right. Who knows? Maybe, yeah, the opponents have maybe not have been you know up to like Napoli level or something like that. But um, they still get wins. They're still scoring goals. Uh, so Napoli's coming to this, or excuse me, Juventus are coming to this uh, with a lot of confidence in this. And it, it, everything indicates it's going to be a, a draw, right? Uh, two two big teams uh, in a big game, crucial game. Like you mentioned, if Milan win outright, they got a huge lead on on Juventus, uh, and Inter has a big lead as well. Or if you know Juve win it, they're back into this, right? Uh, so it could go either way. But the way I, the way kind of like Frank said, you know, you don't want to mess with the streak. Uh, the way this team, this Milan team, has been playing, um, I think it's going to be. I, I do see maybe a dodgy penalty coming in there at some point uh, with, with Juventus. But I, I think Milan win uh, outright three one. Okay. So we've got two. We got we've got the homers
0: going with the winner. We've got the neutral going for the draw. So uh, sounds about right. <laughs> sounds yeah. about right. So nobody surprised here. Casey's saying three one to Milan Leo, Chalhanolu, and Rebic for Milan. Ronaldo for Hulvey. Um, not bad. Um, yeah, yeah I, I I like it. So um, earlier on, uh, before all that happens at nine a.m. East, there's seven games. We get multi Calcio and DraftKings has been nice enough to put up another slate where uh the big contest for 15 bucks uh wins you $2000. Uh, I thought you said the prize so. was
1: going to be 15 bucks. I'm like, who's going to play for that? I'm not doing yeah. that.
0: So um I thought we could have a little fun with this and maybe throw in a few guys in one lineup. I'm going to enter multiple lineups. I'll enter one with guys that we're going to pick and then we can and then we'll get onto who on Calcio Twitter. So uh let me just run through the games that are uh going on. So Atalanta's hosting Parma. Bologna's hosting Udinese. Cartoni hosts roma lazio hosting fiorentina sampdoria hosting inter uh and then you have sassuolo uh, sassuolo hosting genoa uh and then you have torino hosting uh hellas verona so um i took a few notes on just what i just saw for pricing pricing's okay the most expensive player is luis Murillo of atalanta you got a 50,000 salary cap we have to pick two forwards two midfielders Two defenders, a goalkeeper, and then a utility, which is a outfield any outfield player. Um, Luis Muriel comes in as the most expensive at eleven thousand two hundred. Um, the assumption is that he'll start since Duvan Zapata started and played most of Sunday, you know, and you would expect Gaspary to rotate. Now, Atalanta is also the biggest favorites, playing a Parma team that can't defend. So that's the good news. The bad news is is that they're ridiculously expensive. And to further compound this, the warning that I would give you if you are interested in loading up on two or three Atalanta players is that Gasparini is one of those guys that will substitute just about anybody. The last time we had a Serie A slate, Josep Ilicic was an amazing play, was off to a good start, and Gasparini yanked him at halftime. So, uh, killed everything I had (laughs) because I had him in every lineup I played. Um, So, that's... uh, that's the thing that you have to worry about with Atalanta. Buyer beware. But when you look at the Atalanta players, they're all expensive, as if they're going to blow away Parma, which they should. Muriel's 11-2. Ilicic is 9,300. The interesting thing is, is Duvan Zapata is horribly mispriced. He's only 7,900. Yeah. So if he starts, I think you have to lock him up. You have to lock and load, and you've got to play him. All right. But I'm going under the assumption that Muriel starts. I can't play him at that price even though he's so efficient i'll give you some other players and some other prices right now Chiro immobile is questionable for the game at home against fiorentina but he is 10000 by comparison against the fiorentina team that has gotten a gotten clean sheets in the last two games okay including juventus but he immobile has scored 6 goals in his last 4 games which i'm sure jerry has told you plenty alex that he's <laughs> he's starting to get among the goals so yeah. that's that's where i would look at you know that's where i would probably start by looking at it forward now um the safest play if you're going to play in a 50-50 contest or a double up and these are contests that you're putting in 5 bucks trying to win 10 bucks and all you got to do is beat half the field okay that you're that you're entered with for me the safest play if you're going to play DraftKings tomorrow morning, is Domenico Berardi of Sassuolo. He's 10,400, but he's going to play a Genoa team that is going to have absolutely no interest in having the ball. They're going to do a lot of defending, and it's going to be a game where Berardi is going to rack up crosses, shots, and he's going to create a lot of chances, okay? Whether those chances go in or that sort of thing is, is another story. So, Domenico Berardi is somebody that you would probably want to play safely if you're doing some of those cash games. Um, And I would even say you could probably play him in tournaments because I think a lot of people are going to play Atalanta guys or another team that's that's in a very good spot is this Roma team that plays the Crotone team that Inter just scored six on. And it's a game environment that is going to suit Roma much like it suited Inter. Crotone's probably going to have a little bit more of the ball and I think Roma is far more effective when they can counter yeah. than they can when then then when then than when they uh are asked to monopolize possession like they did at home against Sampdoria. So, based on that, here's Roma. I mean, and the pricing's pretty affordable. Aiden Jacko, their leading scorer is 8700. If he doesn't start then it's Borja Borhamayrell who's only 6800 uh Mikatarian is huge in these counterattacking situations and is usually involved in those goals at 8600. Veratu takes the penalties, takes the set pieces, he's 7600. Okay. Casey's saying Lataro can be a good bet with, without Lukaku. Lotaro's 10200. Um I actually would rather play Alexis Sanchez at 8900 because Sampdoria is a team that is going to see a lot of possession, they're going to probably put a lot of attention on um Lataro and For me, Alexis is probably going to, and he has, Alex, you can attest to this as an Inter fan. He's going to take some corner kicks and he's going to be involved in some certain set piece situations. He's going to take some of that away from uh, Brozovic. So if Alexis is in the starting lineup, I'd rather play him at 8,900 versus a goal dependent Lataro at 10,200.
2: Would you agree? Absolutely. And and Alexis is, uh, he's not, he's not necessarily ever going to be a goal scoring machine at this point, but he's, he's an assist machine. I mean, he, he gets very, very involved when it comes to goal contributions.
0: Okay. So if you're going to play cash, guys that are safe, Barati, Alexis Sanchez, if he starts, uh, Veratu at 7,600 is at a discount. Um, values, Nicola Borella is stupid cheap at 4,500 in a game where Inter is going to dominate possession and he is going to be around the penalty area a lot uh, and should be able to pay that off with shots, drawing some fouls and Torella could even get an assist in open play. Um, you mentioned Matteo Darmian, possibly starting a left wing back. He's only 4,000. Mm. So I think that he, if he starts, he's another absolute value that you play. So the Inter guys ha- are going to have a little bit of value with rotation and with Lukaku not like, likely not playing. And they're going to rack up a lot of these statistics because they're going to have a possession superiority over Sampdoria. It's not going to suit what they want to do in terms of game flow. But the crosses and the shots and the chances are going to be there. You kind of get what I'm saying. But when I look at this, I'm of the opinion that we, if we're gonna, if we're gonna build a city, a sit-down lineup, I think we stack Roma out of all of these. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Do we start with Jacko at 8700? Now, I'm gonna also gonna, I'm also gonna give a caveat here. This is based on what the lineups are actually are tomorrow morning. So take what I'm saying as guidelines, but. I may not play anything I say here because the lineups could totally change.
1: And are you asking me because you're going to give me half of the winnings if you, if we win?
0: We'll figure something out. <laughs> so, we'll figure something out. So, all right. So Roma against Crotone. All right, Gekko, Uh He did pick up a minor muscular problem. Uh, could initially be rested Wednesday against uh, against Crotone. So that's good news. So let's take. Let's take Jekyll out of there. I say Borja Mayral at, at six thousand eight hundred makes our lineup. What do you think, guys? I like it. I like okay. It. So Mayoral at forward, and then do we stack him with? Do we stack him with Veritu for the free kicks and the possible penalty uh, opportunity, or do we stack him at seven thousand six hundred, or do we stack him with, um, Mkhitaryan at eight thousand six hundred? knowing that if the lineups come out tomorrow Mikatarian doesn't start Verratto does we can always we can always go down and save the 1000 bucks
2: if Mikatarian starts yeah i think he should be in there Mickey
0: yeah Mickey okay so we're going to go Barella and Mickey um in our midfield and let's look at Roma's defenders to see what our wingbacks look like pass Adriano's saying <laughs> Adriano saying Veritude. we don't need the center backs but the full, the the wingbacks qualify as um the wingbacks qualify as defenders Bruno Perez at 5800 Time. Okay. And let's do this. Let, 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 let's do this for the other defender. We're going to play Darmian. Okay. At okay. 4,000. Uh, all right. So we have Meyer Mikatarian, Bruno Perez and Darmian. We have an average of 6,200 to spend an average of 6,200 to spend on four more spots. Another place we can say we can save a goalkeeper. Now, this is a huge risk and it's just a deep tournament play and it's not what we're going to do in our lineup but Emil Audero at 3900 might be a very very good play. Yeah. Um against an Inter that's not going to have Lukaku but is still going to shoot a lot. Um I don't think I I don't think yeah. I have the stomach for this build to do that. We can get to Silvestri at 4600 <laughs> if we think Torino was a fluke. Done. Do it. Or do we do Musso at yeah. forty seven hundred uh, against Bologna?
2: Oh, Ooh. I'm
1: thinking <laughs> that is tough.
2: God, I think it's Silvestri.
1: Yeah, I did too because they're so I, haphazard. I, I, Torino is.
0: I think the win bonus is there too for Verona. I think they beat yeah. Torino tomorrow, yeah. so we want to we want to take advantage of this. That gets us to sixty seven thirty three on average for a forward, a midfielder, and a utility. Um, if we spent up on Moriel let's just throw him in the in the uh utility for poop. that leaves us at 4500 a player so yeah Eder. so yeah, Eder, so right <laughs> that, makes, that makes it tough mm-hmm. um all right so we go to sasuolo and if we throw let's throw boga Musso all day, Bologna has no attack. But that concerns me, Casey, if Bologna has no attack, you know, because if they score one and Musso doesn't get any saves, that's a negative number for us. Um, Berardi is 10-4. If we put him in for the safety, that gives us an average of 4,900. Jeremy Boga is 4,900 as well. Yes? Yeah. Sure. Okay. All right. All right. So here's what we'll do. And we're going to do this. We're going to partially do this in honor of uh, having uh, uh, Alex as our guest. Okay. That we, that we get some interplayers in there. All right. So now we're left with 4,900 and let's get all the way down here for a utility. Bobby Gags is 4,900. Bobby Gags is more expensive than Nicola Barella.
2: (laughs) <laughs> now, that doesn't make the slightest bit of sense. I mean, I, I, expect, I, I expect Bobby Gags to start in this match for what that's worth, but uh, the same price as Barella, uh, I don't get that.
0: Okay, I'd rather have the Barella and the $400 savings. Yeah. Uh, and the $400 to play with if these lineups change. Okay, so here's our lineup. Okay, our forwards are Mayoral and Domenico Berardi. Midfielders are Mikitarian and Jeremy Boga defenders are bruno perez and matia mateo, uh, mateo Darmion. goalkeeper is silvestri and our utility player is Barella. i like so, so we're not going to play the atalanta we're not going to spend up on the atalanta guys at all we'll just we'll go with this it's safe boom and i won't play with this if if any of this changes and none of these guys are starting i'll message you guys in the morning and we'll we'll do that so other <laughs> players, other players that you guys could probably take a look at if you're going to play this, like I said, Lotaro's in a good spot at 10,200, but Alexis Sanchez at 8,900 for a better floor of points makes more sense. Um, Atalanta's really, really expensive, um, but, you know, Muriel's eleven two 2 and is probably going to be the starting striker. I- I- Ilicic is 9,300, but Malinovsky's in there at 94. I didn't check Piscina's price. I'm not expecting him to start. Um, and, uh, the value plays at forward, uh, is 6,700. If you think Sampdoria catch Inter on the break, um, Skamaka should start for Genoa, uh, at 6,300. And Sassuolo is not the most airtight defense as evidence from their effort against Atalanta. Um, if you really, really need a savings, um, For Hellas Verona, Salcedo is 3,500, you know, and doesn't need a whole lot to get you to get you to where you need to be. Uh, Midfield values we talked about, Varela at 4,500. Bolga at 4,900 we like. Um, Jan Caramo for Parma is 3,500. And again, against an Atalanta that doesn't defend well, and he could possibly get involved and pump some shots. Now, Defender, we went with uh, Bruno Perez and Matteo Darmian. We mentioned Darmian is a very good value. Other plays, uh, Faraoni for Verona at 4,500 is in really good form right now. Yeah, he is. Um, uh, Wilfred Singo, if he gets the start for Torino, is only 41. If you want to spend up, uh, Domenico Crescito for Genoa at 5,600. Should be taking a lot of their free kicks. Takes Genoa's penalties. It's worth a stab. Uh, and then Goalkeeper, I think our favorite plays are Juan Musso, 4,700. Silvestri, forty six hundred, and then if you're really really frisky, if you think is going to struggle, Aldero uh, is only thirty nine hundred against an Inter that's probably not going to have Lukaku. So that's another way you could probably go. Um, I'm not recommending it, but um, if you want the 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 there's so many goals scored in City, I it's really really hard to pay for a high price goalkeeper. It's right. You know, because at that point you're ex- you're hoping he gets a win, you're hoping he gets a clean sheet, and that's what's gonna have to pay off his his salary. So but that's our team. We've got um Mayerel, Baradi, uh Boga. Um help me out, guys. Who else do we have? Guys- thank you. Um Perez, Bruno Perez, uh Darmian, uh Silvestri, Silvestri. and then Barella. So Throwing in a little Inter stack in Alex's honor, we're going to say you. that the goals they're going to have so much possession and bombing forward that the cheap inter guys could pay off, could stand to pay off better than than, than Lattaro
1: could. So, now to make amends, I, not to make amends, Alex, you need to go out and buy Powerball, and Mega, and Mega, Ball, or Mega Millions and Powerball tickets for us, and then we can split split all the winnings. You know, so I'd yeah. probably have better <laughs>
2: luck with that than on my sports bets. I, I need to start doing more these DraftKings because I, I I get just ruined every. Yeah. Sp- yeah. A week on, on my sedia uh bets lately. So I may need to look to other avenues.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So that is our lineup. It is a risky one because we're not playing any Atalanta guys who are in an unbelievable spot against Parma, who should score a lot, you know, who might end up scoring three goals without breaking a sweat. Like it's a just the, the volatility of a midweek game and Gasparini getting really crazy with his substitutions. Yeah. Um, that's that scare me. I think that the Roma situation is a little bit more solid against a team that leaks just as many goals and are cheaper. You can fit them. So okay. So that's the that's the DraftKings stuff. Uh, that is the preview of this week and, and the Milan Juventus stuff. Let's get on with it, guys. This is what everybody really comes here for. Uh, they they listen to us. Yeah, DraftKings is doing Serie a, uh, Anthony tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. for the uh, seven the seven games that are playing at the same time. Uh, uh, the top contest is a fifteen dollar buy in to win two thousand bucks. So um, you know, so we were just going over. You want to play this again? You want to go back and play this again on the YouTube? We gave you a bunch of ideas of where you can go, uh, initially to help build your lineup. So, um, but let's move on to the world's most popular hashtag game, who won Calcio Twitter, Alex, your first go of, uh, of, uh, being in the, uh, uh, in the hot seat, if you will. Wait. Uh, I love this for who won Calcio Twitter. Uh, uh, I'll go, f- I'll go first with, yeah. uh, the one that I nominated here. This came from a betting site, Bovada. Uh, at Movada yeah. official, the little boy in red grew up and became soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well played here. Uh, just, it looks like some sort
1: of little martial arts, and just one kick and down he goes. Uh, that's awesome! <laughs> oh, that's awesome! All right, I love it. I got the next one. Next one comes in from uh, Paris Snitch, an Inter, Inter fan. It uh, says, this picture is Radu and Hadanovic both attempting a save. <laughs> 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 Radu just standing there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, nicely done.
0: Excellent stuff. All right. So we move on. Uh, this is from our friend Uncle Sharma at rsharmzz. This is a guy that has uh, gotten it close to the cup and hasn't been able to knock it in yet. um maybe this is the one
1: i didn't know scrutiny i used to play at psg with dino and poch (laughs) (laughs) i guess long hair was in back then except for ronaldinho who had the longest hair later on but yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's a great picture that's a great picture uh, all right. Next one coming in is Michael Lisi uh, has a picture from Sansoni saying best caption wins a signed Juve jersey signed by me. And he says, uh, American tourist wins contest opposed with all of Juve's champions league trophies from the current millennium. <laughs> nice, <laughs> Very, very clever. <laughs> uh, the
0: next one is uh, from uh, nominated by uh, Gianni Dele This is at FCIM Thomas. Uh, <laughs> Sandro Tonali versus Benevento, skills, goals, highlights, biggest young talent in the world, and it's just a picture of him in a suit.
2: <laughs> you, you, you can even see I'm the second comment on there. I, I, I went crazy for that
1: one. <laughs> yeah. <Go ahead. laughs> you can't unsee it. I mean, he looks just like him. It's, it is uncanny. It is uncanny. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, okay, this one comes in from Nino. Uh, at ASR Curva Sud 1927, happy to see Ed and Jekyll scored a decisive goal for official Roma in their first water polo win today. Fantastic start to 2021. <laughs> very nice,
0: <laughs> very creative, very creative. Our friend, uh, George Whitmer is on the board
1: uh, at Jersey SoCal.
0: When you go back to Cagliari, do you expect to win on the first game back with the club? Fuck, I don't up. know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another one from, uh, from Nino. He says, uh, UFC President Dana White has offered Sandra Tonali a spot at UFC 257 after that Liu Kang Mortal Kombat kick on Arturo Ionita. Nike and Adidas frantically creating knee guards for knee- week 16. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All
0: right. Next one. Oh, this is funny. <laughs> all right. From Paris Niche again, back on the board. AC Milan, best goals compilation 2021. <laughs> it's, all to it's all penalties. <laughs> Someone in the inter-Twitter world is bitter.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> uh, okay. This one comes uh, – thank you for Brian Johnson for pointing us this direction. Uh, this comes from uh, Stuart at Stewie1899. Uberfax uh, tweeted out the mouth of a jellyfish is also its anus. And he (laughs) tweeted out Juventus and Inter fans can relate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Well played. Well played. All right. Uh, Our friend Nima uh from the Italian football podcast at Nima Tavrud, uh fan base streaming of Papu Gomez they reheat a serving of Eder elite trolling <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know this doesn't make me laugh as much as it makes me cry
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, why, why don't we just stick with with Nima? His next one is uh, why just editor go for Graziano Pele, Jacarini, and Antonio Conte reunite the band. I mean, after Ar- Arturo Vidal and Kolarov, they worked out so well. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, All right. So
0: those were the nominees this week. Is that it? Oh, no, there's a
1: more. Lisa's not for I
0: humor, know? but for spreading facts. Uh, this is another. Uh, this is from at J Salvato thirty one uh here to remind you salty ass inter juve roma and napoli fans at milan have conceded the most penalties by far super g just saves
1: our asses <laughs> so, uh
0: okay <laughs> uh, we've
1: actually uh, we, oh, really be-
0: conceded 14 penalties this season oh yeah that's probably i guess
1: as uh, one last one uh this one comes uh courtesy uh fed uh, the one pointed our direction but this actually comes from psg uh and it's uh PSG contact Inter for Ericsson to say they are not interested in him. That's
0: right up there with the one with the Roma fan that said Lazio was interested in Mustafi yeah. and now uh, uh, medical, staff. medical staff is out there to check the mental health of the <laughs> of the front office. <laughs> oh my. All right. So we got to pick one out of those, huh?
1: Yeah, Let's see yeah. here. Those are tough ones. Uh, Alex, Alex,
2: you do the honors.
1: Well, okay,
2: I, I'm gonna go with the one that it didn't make me laugh the hardest today, only because I saw it yesterday already. All right. I thought uh Michael Lisi's tweet with the caption of Weston McKenney, You know, the imaginary trophy, all the uh, the American yes, yes, football, yes, all the, all the Juventus trophies, Champions League trophies that. That that one to me, uh, it, it's it, it was the perfect caption for that photo.
1: <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> these are tough. These are tough.
0: That's a good one. I'll. I'll. Uh, it's. It's definitely a finalist. Um, I think the uh, the Bovada one at the very beginning is in there. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, the Cristiano Ronaldo one <laughs> where awesome. he falls down. That
0: yep. that was good too. Um, I think that's in there, and then
1: uh, I think Paris, could... I like Harrison's. Well, what, both of his really the the uh, the M- Milan uh, compilation of penalty kicks, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was good. And also the uh, Handanovic and uh, Radu attempting to make a save. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with the penalty kicks.
0: You're gonna go with the penalty kick video. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Go with the penalty kicks. I, I'm with Alex. I like the I I, I like the shade being thrown at Huvey uh fans here with that with that <laughs> caption. I, I gotta go with Lisey. I gotta give okay. Lacey. I gotta give Lisey a win here.
1: Yeah. There yeah. it is.
0: There's the winner. All right. So let's just I'll uh I'll go ahead and uh send uh Lisey the congratulations here. It's too bad he's not in the chat to listen to this. Um let's see. Uh, Casey, thank you for the kind words, by the way. Very yes, nice of thank you. Thank you thank you very um, much. And, uh, with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Syria sit down, shameless plug time, and we're going to give the floor to
2: our guest, Alex. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I mean, for, for those listening to this, uh, you'd probably be a fan of, uh, of one of my side hustles and that's the cultural connection podcast, maybe some of you listen already. And I thank you if you do, if you haven't. Um, you know, Jerry Mancini and I host a Serie A-related pod. We do cover all the teams. We focus heavily on the clubs. We support Inter and Lazio, but we do squeeze in plenty of talk about the other clubs. We, we've even given Milan some, some love this season with the way that they've been playing. So Calcio Connection podcast, you can find us on every platform you get your pods. You can find us on Twitter at CalcioConPod. And I also encourage you guys, as Frank mentioned in my introduction at the start of the show, I do a daily sports talk show, focusing more on American sports. Do mix in some soccer and some calcio talk occasionally. Frank Crivello joins me frequently. He's going to be on uh, this Friday, I think, around three forty-five p.m. I got to get Richard on as well, especially since all the American soccer heads they 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 want to talk about uh, you know somebody like Weston McKinney who was in Bundesliga before. So yep. I do want to get you on to talk about his time at Schalke Done. Uh, on uh, OnsideRadio.com. And you can also listen on a couple of apps, the radio uh, FM app or the MyTuner radio app. Just search for OnSide Radio. And I, I host a show every afternoon from 3 until 6 p.m. Eastern. And the podcasts are all over the place. You can catch up on all that. So I'd, I'd really appreciate it if you support it. For those of you in here who are also fans and Ameri- of American sports, oh, Jerry Mancini is in the chat now, trash-talking me. Uh, you know, Jerry joins me occasionally as well. So, yeah, make sure you check it out, OnSideRadio.com. Yeah, uh,
1: that's Richard. awesome. Yes, uh, well, as always, thank you, Alex, for joining us tonight. Uh, it's a pleasure to finally get you on here on our on our show. Uh, so thank you again. Uh, you can follow me at r underscore k h a r m a n right there. Uh, anywhere Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Uh, also follow our YouTube page. We pull We try to put some uh, videos, some clips out there as well to keep you entertained. So uh, let us know how we're doing and stuff like that. Uh, Jerry, we see you there. Uh, and yeah, thank you very much. Um, and Jerry, Jerry we talked asked, about how
2: he's asking what, if this is my bed. This is my bed. Actually, I'm sitting in my bed talking to you guys. No, there you go.
0: Nice, there bed. you go. Uh, uh Jerry, we just all we did was talk about how insufferable uh, insufferable you would be if uh, Lazio ever won a scudetto. So, and
1: how Lazio are the most hated team in Serie. A. Yeah, uh, you're you're you're
0: you're you're, vilify, you're 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 turning Lazio into the villains of the league. Like I actually <laughs> enjoy Juve people now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Lazio will never win one lovely all right hi <laughs> if i can ever get my finger there we go. There at go fpc underscore 21 on twitter um as uh alex mentioned uh do check out his uh, uh show man of the match it's at onside radio um and uh it's onsideradio.com
2: correct Yes. Onsideradio.com.
0: Yep. I'll be, uh, uh, I'll, I'll be chatting it up with Alex on Friday, three 45 Eastern. Uh, so definitely looking forward to that. Always. Uh, it, it, that that's 15 minutes. That goes by fast. Uh, you, it you really see that it. it really does. So, um, city, sit down. Uh, we have our own channel on Apple podcasts and SoundCloud. We're also on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there are podcasts, there is city, sit down, um, You can also find us on Twitter at city. I sit down on there at city. I sit down on Instagram, find us on our Facebook page. We were live for the first time on Twitter and on Facebook. Richard just continues to find these, you know, technological advances i do none of this i just come up here and talk yeah um, <laughs> so uh so thanks to him for continuing to thanks to you richard for continuing to do that and and, and 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 branching us out if you will um if you uh check us out here on the youtube channel please subscribe and drop a like if you've done so for the first time it helps us out immediately immeasurably um and we really appreciate it chat you guys are awesome as always thank you so much um uh, appreciate all of your efforts, your questions, your comments uh, uh, helped make for the great talking points. So um, with that in mind, uh, that is it for out Al- and Alex, we're going to have you on again.
2: I appreciate it. I'm counting on it.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, and uh, well done guys. And uh, looking forward to the games tomorrow, looking forward to getting together with you guys around this time next tuesday night uh for alex for richard i'm frank and as always make sure you tell your paisans about us ciao